following message from Pastor Kit Johnson comes to you from LifePoint Baptist Church in Apple Valley, California, where we pray that God's Word is a real blessing to you. Matthew chapter 7 uh, today, and uh, we're going to be in verses 7 through 11 uh, this morning. And uh, before we read the text, you know, one of my uh, regular responsibilities, uh, uh, opportunities as a pastor is, is to reach out to people that we haven't seen in a while. And so, you know, I give them people a call, and, and so we want to make sure everything's okay, uh, make sure uh, nothing's come up that, that's a problem or anything like that, and, and see if there's ways that we can be a blessing. And, and so I've made a lot of these phone calls uh, over the years, and, um, and some of them have gone something like this. You call the person up, and I just say, hey, this is Pastor Kit, you know, just checking in making sure that you're doing okay. I haven't seen you in a couple weeks, and so I hope you're doing fine. And, and so the person replies and says, well, well, Pastor, I have been miserably sick. I haven't been able to get out of bed. I haven't been able to, to do a whole lot. It, it's been scary. It, it's been really difficult. And, uh, and I say something like, wow, I, I had no idea that was going on. You know, and, and I wish I would have known. I, I wish uh, you would have told us because... Because we, we'd love to be a help. We, we want to be a blessing. And the person replies, well, I just didn't want to be a bother. And, uh, and, and I'm sympathetic to that because, because I'm, a, I'm a fiercely independent person myself. You know, and I don't like to ask for things and I don't like to depend on people. And, and I appreciate people that, that don't want to complain, don't want to whine, don't want to be a bother. And, and so I'm certainly not wanting to call that person out, because uh, every situation is different, and, and I appreciate people um, uh, for a variety of reasons. But, but, but it's also sincerely true that the church loves this person. You know, people want to be a blessing, they, they want to be an encouragement, and, and they're eager to help, because it's a blessing to serve, right? Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And in a similar manner, I wonder how often our Heavenly Father is up in heaven, He's looking down at us, and He thinks the same thing. He's watching us, we're running ourselves ragged, we're running here to there trying to fix this thing and that thing, and, and we're worried about this issue and that issue, and, and we're stressed over this big decision over here, or, or we've just got a million little things we're trying to work out and, and we're trying to understand, and, and we have big needs. And yet we never ask God. And God is sitting in heaven thinking, boy, I wish he would just ask. I wish she would just come to me for help. And our text for today puts that sentiment into words. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him. Now, this passage gives us a beautiful window into God's heart for His children, and it calls us 
to pray accordingly. And so Jesus urges us to pray for two basic reasons that he lays out in this text. And the first simple reason that you should pray and pray a lot and pray about everything is because God answers prayer. Now, now before we go on and get into verses 7 and 8, I do want to just note that in context, Jesus is especially urging us to ask God for wisdom as we deal with relationships. And so I say that because we just saw in verses 1 through 6 that Jesus talked about our need to be discerning, about being judgmental, and as well our need to be discerning about identifying people, identifying people who are scorners and knowing how we should respond to them. And as well, if you look down, verse 12 gives us the golden rule which, of course, is a verse that is very much tied into relationships. So since our text for today is in between these discussions about relational matters, uh, we should assume that Jesus is especially urging us to ask for wisdom when we don't know how to respond to people, how to deal with, with individuals. So Jesus is saying, when you need wisdom, don't just try and figure it out on your own. Ask me for wisdom. You know, the thought then would be similar to James chapter 1, verse 5, which says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all people liberally and without reproach. So so Jesus here is primarily urging us to ask for wisdom when, when we don't know how to relate to people. But the principle of our text applies to every other challenge you face. That you should ask God for help. Anytime you have a need, because God wants to answer your prayer. And specifically, notice that that verse 7 is built on three commands. Jesus commands us to ask, to seek, and to knock. Now, Now, some people wonder if these commands are intended to get a progressively more, um, more urgent. So, you know, ask is kind of a gentle, would you please do this? Could you maybe help? And then, you know, knocking is more like knocking the door down. And, uh, and it's possible that that's what Jesus means, but, but probably the three commands are all synonymous. And they all describe bold requests. And so Jesus repeats it three times because he really wants to urge us to ask him for the things that we need. He is saying to us, he's emphasizing the fact that your heavenly Father really wants you to ask. And so bring your request to God. And, uh, and if the command is not enough, notice the promises that He attaches to the commands. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. So Jesus couldn't be clearer. God answers prayer. And if we still don't get it, which we sometimes can be a little bit slow, notice that he basically repeats the same idea in verse 8. He says, For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, now the only really big difference between verses 7 and 8 is that the first two promises in verse 8 switch from the future tense to the present tense. You know, so Jesus is not just saying, you know, if you ask that some way, maybe way down in eternity, 
In heaven someday, God will answer your requests. No, he is saying that when you bring your request to God, if you ask, it will be given. If you seek, God will meet your need. You will find. And so, so God answers prayer. And so Jesus urges us here to pray. You know, to pray about the needs that are on your heart, to ask God and do so, expecting God to answer. And God hears our prayers. And God answers our prayers. But you might hear all of this and think, well, well Pastor, that sounds good. But there's been a lot of times in my life where I've asked God for something very specific, and God has not given me the thing that I've asked for. So, so I'm not sure that I really believe Him. Like, like, I don't know that I really think that if I ask, I'm going to receive. So, so what do we do with the fact that so often we do ask, but we don't get the thing that we ask for? Well, of course, there's a lot of people out there that would claim that, that if you don't get the thing that you ask for, it must mean that you did something wrong in how you prayed, or, or, or that you did not have enough faith. You know, so Creflo Dollar is a, is a well-known prosperity preacher, and he says that when we pray, believing that we have already received what we are praying, God has no choice but to make our prayers come to pass. It is a key to getting results as a Christian. So, so he believes that God will always give you the thing that you ask for, if you ask with the right faith and the right, and the right pattern. I mean, he says God has no choice. Quite the statement, isn't it? You know, an example of this idea made national news last year because there was a family at Bethel Church up in Redding, California, a well-known prosperity church, and this family, their two-year-old daughter suddenly died. And the story made national news because the church believed that if they prayed with the right faith, God had to raise this girl from the dead. And so they're praying, they're declaring that God is going to raise her from the dead, but of course, she never rose from the dead. So, so the question is, 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 did these grieving parents understand Jesus rightly? And if they did, is their daughter dead because they didn't have enough faith to raise her. Or even worse, the idea that probably would be more on, on our minds would be, is Jesus a liar? Is this just not true? Well, well I'm confident that the answer to all those things is absolutely not. So, so first of all, uh, you know, the way we answer these things is, is to notice that Jesus says in verse 11 that, that God does not just give us Anything that we ask for, no, what does He give us? He gives good gifts. And He does so based on the fact that we saw back in chapter 6, verse 32, that, that God already knows the things that we need before we ask. So God knows every need that you have. And, and therefore, the, a big problem with, with that name it and claim it theology is that it assumes that I know what is really good. And I know exactly what God should do. But of course, the reality is, is that only God fully knows and completely understands what is best. I mean, he sees everything with, with perfect knowledge. 
perfect understanding. But our perspective is very limited. And there is so much that you and I don't know. So, so we look at the sudden death of a two-year-old girl as an awful tragedy, and it is. It is a tragedy. But, but the reality is, is, is that you and I do not have the perspective to say that God should raise her from the dead. No, instead, we have to trust that His understanding is infinite and that He always does what is good and He always does what is right, even if it's difficult. Now, Psalm 119, verse 75 says, I know, O Lord, that Your judgments are righteous and that in faithfulness You have afflicted me. So, so you may not know why God afflicts you. But, but, but the psalmist says that we know that God's judgments are righteous. And that He is faithful in everything that He does. So, so God doesn't promise to just give you whatever you ask for. No, instead He promises to, to give you what is really good. And, and aren't you thankful for that? You know, because when I, mean, I look back on my life so far... And there's been many times where I thought, I know what is good. Like, I know what God should do here. And now I look back and think, wow, I really had no idea what I was talking about. And I'd be in a world of hurt if God had given, given me a yes to everything that I've asked for throughout the course of my life. Even things that I was convinced were good. God knows better. And He always does what is right. So, so to sum it all up, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 say, This is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. So God hears when we ask according to His will, and God answers when we do so. So, so with all that being said, all right, uh, what does Jesus want us to learn from verses 7 and 8? And first of all, he wants us to pray boldly. I mean, look again at the commands he gives in verse 7. Jesus commands you to ask, to seek, and to knock. So, so your first impulse when you have a need shouldn't be to try and fix it. No, no, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says that anything that causes you worry should become a prayer request. So, so worry, anxiety should automatically become a prayer. So pray about everything. You know, and as well, you know, have you ever been slow to ask a friend for something because you don't want to be a bother? You know, or, or you're worried that you might be asking too much? I think sometimes we, we, get, we get nervous about asking God for big things. You know, we don't want to ask Him for too much. We don't want to be a bother. We don't want to be disappointed. But, but Jesus doesn't put any qualifiers, does He? He says, ask. So, so don't ever think, you know, this is too small to bother God with. Or, this is so small that I can fix it. I don't need to, worry. I don't need, I don't need to trouble God with this one. And on the other hand, don't ever think this is too big. This is too bold to ask God to do. No, if to the best of your knowledge, it fits the will of God, then ask. So, so pray boldly. 
Now, secondly, Jesus is urging us to pray persistently. Now, all three of the commands in verse 7, and as well the three parallel verbs in, in verse 8, they are all in the present tense. And in the Greek, that, that typically indicates a habitual, persistent action. So, so Jesus is urging you to be always asking, always seeking, always knocking. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says you should pray without ceasing. You know, so, so don't just loft up a prayer once in a while, you know, heave it from half court and hope it lands somewhere. No, keep praying. And don't just pray when there's a crisis. Pray for every need, even for something as basic as wisdom to know how not to be judgmental and who the scorner is. Pray about it all. And then third, pray confidently. You know, and I think it would do our souls well just to hear Jesus again in these two verses, focusing on the promise that he repeats, really, six times. He says, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So Jesus couldn't be any clearer, could he? God answers prayer. So so we should pray to our sovereign God, believing that he hears and he answers. So I just want to encourage you to take a moment and think about your prayer life. Think about how much time you spent in prayer this week and the request that you brought to God. And would you have to say that you are scurrying about trying to fix everything and you're too busy to pray? Have you neglected to seek the Lord? And do you live as if prayer is essentially ineffective and as if your busyness is more profitable than to pray and seek God's help? Jesus urges you to ask because God answers prayer. So so the first major reason that we must be devoted to prayer is because God answers prayer. And then the second major reason we must pray is because God gives good gifts. God gives good gifts. So so let's read verses 9 through 11 once again. Jesus says, Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will he, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Another great question. You know, I, I was thinking as I was reading through this text this week, I mean, all the good questions, like piercing questions that Jesus asks in the Sermon on the Mount, got a couple more good ones here. And, and so these verses make an argument uh, from, from what is called from the lesser to the greater. So, so first of all, uh, Jesus makes the point in verses 9 and 10 that sinful fathers give their children good gifts. And so in, in these two verses, Jesus describes two really absurd scenarios, all right? <clears throat> so first of all, you know, imagine, you know, you're, you're a, a Jew living in Jesus' day and and the whole family is working the family farm for a day. And so 
You've got a child in your home. This kid's been out in the garden all day. Pulling weeds, working the soil, helping the, 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 the crops to grow. And so it's dinner time, and this child comes in, and he says, you know, Dad, I am so tired, and I am so hungry. I've been working outside all day. Would you please give me some bread? And Jesus points out that no sane father is going to hand his son, after that long day, a plate full of stones. Now, now what makes this scenario especially absurd is that the little loaves of bread that the Jews would bake would actually sometimes look like a a round stone. So so the, the idea then would be is that potentially this child, he's so hungry, he sees this plate of stones and he pops one in his mouth and he takes a bite. So he chips a tooth in the process. And it's cruel, right? And it's contrary to the nature of a father. And then verse 10 adds a similarly absurd illustration. And so most people believe that Jesus here is thinking of an eel-like fish that lived in the Sea of Galilee. And so it looks a lot like a snake. So the kid asks for a fish. And so the dad puts, instead of putting this fish on his plate... He puts a snake on his plate, and the kid's hungry, and he's not paying attention, and he just throws it in his mouth, and ah, you know, that's a snake, that's not a fish. And he's disappointed. And Jesus' point is that both of these illustrations are contrary to the nature of a father. And Jesus says that even a depraved sinner wants to give his kids good things. Now, now dad's Maybe like me, you read through this and you get a little bit nervous because you know, sometimes we like to mess with our kids, right? You know, and you ever like put something in dinner just to see what they do and how they respond or, or you have an empty box, you wrap an empty box at Christmas or a birthday just to see, you know, how, how terrified they are to see there's nothing in the box. Now, sometimes we do like to mess with our kids. And so I read this verse and I'm like, eh, maybe there's something really wrong with me. So, so yes, we, we like to play practical jokes at times, and, and, and moms like to play, pr- play practical jokes too. But, but verse 11 still stands, right? And Jesus says in verse 11 that even evil fathers know how to give good gifts to their children. Now, even though we are sinners, human fathers and human mothers ha- have an incredible love for their kids, Right? And, and we want their good. We want them to be happy. We, we desire their success. And if you have kids, you, you know how intense and sometimes ridiculous it can be. You know, so, so your kid's playing a sport and, and he gets a big hit or makes a big shot and you're jumping up and down and you're excited and your kid's like, dude, sit down. Sit down, you're embarrassing me. You know, or, or they get a good report card, and, and you're, you're so excited, and you're thrilled about their report card. Or, 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 um, or maybe it's the first day of school. You drop off your kid, and you're standing there crying, and, and your son or your daughter's praying that you will get in your car and leave as quickly as possible. Because you love your kid, and, and you're sad that, that they're going off to school. Now, we, we love our kids. And we desperately desire their good. And if anyone ever messes with your child, it takes all your strength not to say or do something stupid. 
So, so we love our kids, and, and we desperately want their good. And, and Jesus takes this incredible picture of a father's love, and he uses it to make a powerful point, which is that our heavenly father gives us even better gifts. And look again at verse 11. He says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? That's just a wonderfully encouraging verse, isn't it? Because Jesus says that our Heavenly Father loves us with the same kind of passion and care as a human father. So, so imagine, you know, dads or, or mothers, the incredible love that you have for your kids. You know, remember how, how your parents loved you when you were a child. You know, if your dad was absent or, or apathetic or not so good, think of the very best dad that you have ever been around. And then ponder the fact that God loves you the same way. As Psalm 103, verse 13 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And moms, lest you feel neglected today, Psalm 4, or excuse me, Isaiah 49, verse 15 says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. So if you are God's child, He loves you with the intensity of a father or a mother. And praise the Lord for that. God loves us. Now now before I go on, I, I want to emphasize that this fatherly care is rooted in the gospel. All right? So, so God doesn't love this, love you this way because you are so wonderful, so precious, so cute. You know, I mean, you love your kids. I mean, in part, you love them because you're, they're your kids, but, but you look at them and, and you see all that's good about them and, and you love them for their quality. And, and the Scriptures are clear that, that God's love for us is not fundamentally rooted in us. No, we are wretched, unlovable sinners. But Romans 5, verse 6 says that when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So in myself, I am without strength, and I am ungodly. And so so I am undeserving of love, and yet God loved me in my weakness and my sin. So so I can't take any credit for the fact that God loves me, or or point to something in me that has earned it, or, or that can lose it. No, it is rooted in His kindness. So all I can do is stand in awe at the incredible love of my Heavenly Father. Of course, that also means that, that God is not the Father of everyone. So sin creates a wall between us and God that, that stops most people from enjoying this relationship. And, and that's important because, because most people in our culture, would, if He says, God, your Father, we think, of course. You know, most people think that God is everyone's Father and He loves everyone the same. But the reality is, is that is not so. And so Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So so not everyone in the world can enjoy the blessings that this passage describes. 
So, so I hope you'll see today that, that Christ alone is the one that makes it possible for us to be adopted into God's family and to call God our Father. Now, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 states that Christ also suffered once for sins. The just, that's Jesus, for the unjust, that's me. And why did he do that? The verse says that he might bring us to God. So I do not come to God because I'm righteous or holy or or there's something good in me. My only hope of salvation is that Jesus suffered in my place. And because he suffered in my place, Galatians 4 says that through Christ's death, I can be redeemed and I can be adopted into his family. I'm not born a son of God, but I can be born again. And God can become my Father through Christ. So the Scriptures promise that Jesus can bring you to God and bring you into His family. So if you have never received Christ as your Savior, then you need to repent of your sin and believe on Jesus. And when you believe on Jesus, Jesus becomes your Savior. And then you can enjoy the incredible security of knowing God as your Father. So, you know, it might be that, that your dad in this world has, has always been absent, worthless, apathetic towards you. It, it might be that your dad has been great. But regardless, none of it can replace our Father in heaven. And if you have never received Christ, don't just think, well, of course God is my Father. God is the Father of those who come to Him in Christ. So if you have not been saved, Receive Christ today. And then, with that security, enjoy the promise of verse 11. And again, Jesus says to, to His children, to His disciples, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good, give good, give what is good to those who ask Him? So Jesus assures us that our heavenly Father loves us even more than our human fathers. Now, if you have a good earthly father, that's hard to comprehend. But it's true. Your father in heaven loves you more than your father on earth. And if your father on earth has been absent and apathetic, what a comfort it is to know that you have a father in heaven who cares beyond your greatest imaginations. So our father loves us with a perfect love, and he longs to give us good things. So we should trust Him to give us good things. So so in light of that, I'd like to pull all this together into four applications. The first application is, see the love of your Father. You know, if you are a Christian, you have a Father in heaven who loves you perfectly. And He doesn't look down on you like some deadbeat, apathetic dad who doesn't care at all. He doesn't revel in your pain. No, his heart is full of compassion and love. And he always wants what is good and right. Now, yes, sometimes he puts us through hard things. Sometimes he puts us through painful circumstances. But we absolutely can be confident that it is always good. And everything our Father does comes from a heart of compassion and love. So so see today the love of your Heavenly Father and rest secure in that love. 
So see that love, and then secondly, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Your father wants to hear from you, right? You know, like if you're a parent and your kid is struggling, you you don't want him to just deal with it on his own. You, You are heartbroken if he's gone through some horrible thing and you have no idea about it. Of course, God never has no idea, right? He always knows perfectly. But He wants to hear from you. So Jesus commands you to ask. Because the Father wants to give good things. So don't be that stubborn little kid that says, I do it. I'll take care of it myself. No, or or that fearful child who, who doesn't want to bother his dad. No, rest in the love of your Heavenly Father. And then come to Him. Come to Him frequently and boldly. And Hebrews 4.16 says that as you do, that you will obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So pray about everything. Third, pray humbly. And again, where the prosperity guys get it wrong is that they assume that they know what is best. So I know what is good, and now I've got to convince God to give it to me. And so they come demanding that God bend His will to theirs to give them what they know is right. And sadly then, they don't see God as an all-knowing, loving, heavenly Father. They see Him as a a mindless vending machine that if I put in the right amount of change and punch the right buttons, I I get the candy bar that I want to get. But but that's not the case. And I am so thankful today that I don't have that kind of pressure. You know, that, that it's up to me to determine what is right, and then it's up to me to convince God to give me what is right. No, I can comfortably make my case to God. I can plead with God, as you see over and over in the Psalms, and say, God, this is what your word says, this is what I believe is right, and I am calling on you to do it. And then, I can give it to Him. As 1 Peter 5.7 says, I can cast all my cares on Him, knowing He cares for me. So pray humbly. And then fourth, pray expectantly. Jesus could not be clearer. God answers prayer. So so Jesus promises that everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. So, So don't view prayer merely as some Christian duty. You know, or some monotonous routine. No. Believe that God answers prayer. And then pray specifically and boldly, anticipating that God will work. So, so what burdens are on your heart? We all have some. So what burdens on your heart? Or, or what's a burden that maybe you know, you've just decided that's never going to happen, so you've shoved it to the side, you don't even think about it anymore? And, because, and so think big. Think big. And if to the best of your knowledge, that desire that you have accords with the will of God, it fits with the truth of Scripture, you believe it's right, then ask, seek, and knock. Bring it to God. And do so with confidence that God hears, God cares, and God gives good gifts. Let's pray. Father, thank You 
that you are our Father. And thank you for the love that you have for your children. Lord, we stand in awe today of the love of our Heavenly Father. And we thank you, God, that you love us through Christ and in Christ, and that you love to give good things. And so, Lord, we praise you today for your character, not just for your love, but your perfect knowledge and understanding, and that we can trust you. And so, Lord, we all have great burdens. And Lord, I pray that today you would increase our faith, that that we would believe more and more in your character, and that, Lord, we would seek you in prayer. Father, I pray that you would make us a praying people and you would sustain us as a praying people. We probably all go through seasons where we pray a lot and then we go through seasons where we pray very little. So keep us on our knees and Father, help us to ask, to seek, and to knock. And God, would you please do great things in our midst? Would you please answer prayers? Do glorious things that honor you and that will increase our faith and shower upon us your blessing. And so God, help us to have strong faith in a great God and help us to pray accordingly. In Jesus' name.